Welcome to the Von Nelson Podcast. With me today is CEO and CIO, Chris Wallace. Welcome, Chris. It's good to be here, Dan. All right, Chris, since we last uh, spoke, October wrapped up, and we saw the S&P, it's up almost uh, 8%. So uh, looking out at this thing, it, it seems like perhaps the market wants to rebound a little bit for a, a fourth quarter rally. Um, do you think that October is a sign of a positive longer-term trend? Yeah, no, I think October is a continuation of what we've seen through the summer, which is you reach oversold conditions or kind of peak bearishness, and then you get an event that triggers a short covering rally or a bear market rally. And I don't think October was any different. I think a lot of it is driven by continued de-risking. Um, you have a lot of levered players that continue to use hope as their primary investment thesis, and they're hoping for a fourth quarter rally to kind of either save their fund or save their year from a performance standpoint. And then when it doesn't come to fruition, and you get an increase in volatility, they de-risk, and they de-risk by selling their longs and covering their shorts. And as you have that short covering, it actually feeds on itself because as those shorts begin to work, it creates more pain for others that are short, and they start to cover. And I really think that's, that's all we've seen um, really since any interim lows, and we continue to probe uh, to new lows across the major averages and risk ranges, and volatility would indicate that we're not at the bottom yet. So that might tie in with my, my next question then. So yesterday we saw the Fed, it, it raised um, by 75 basis points, mm -hmm. and you know we were, you and I were, were speaking before the podcast, and that one of the things he said was, um, one thing that's clear to you is that this Fed will not pivot until core inflation declines materially or a major market breaks. Um, can you go through your reasoning for that? Yeah, and we need to, we're probably going to have to start using a different name than pivot because I think people confuse pivot, which in my mind means ch shift direction versus change the pace of rate hikes or change the, the, the stance as far as wanting tighter financial conditions. Um, so investors would be good that when they think, when somebody says pivot, just think of pivot irrigation and farming. It doesn't have anything to do with investing, and, and Jay Powell definitely confirmed that yesterday. Um, as we've said all along, inflation completely changes the calculus for central banks and monetary policy. Um, it is corrosive to politics. It is corrosive to economic health. And when you have, you know, a, a federal balance sheet that is very reliant on excess liquidity and very reliant on low rates to give the appearance of solvency, inflation is just kind of the worst case scenario. So rightly so, our central bank has said, we're going to take care of inflation. And inflation was allowed to get embedded and has become more persistent beyond the goods sector into the service sector. Uh, it's clear that inflation's peaking, but there cannot be any hint that the Fed is going to lose credibility or any central bank is going to lose credibility. And so they're going to stay on the tightening path so that they don't make prior mistakes, which was eased too early and have to be even more aggressive later. Um, you know, we've talked about the fact that there's not a long window here. So I know the market says they're going to 5%. You can look at the euro dollar futures market, which is by far the most liquid, most sophisticated market. It's saying higher for longer. Um, and the Fed sent that signal very clearly. 
for investors that are looking for a pivot. I mean, you really have to take the central bank's words into uh, context. What they basically said is we're not going to stop until inflation is trending towards our target. We, as we've talked about, inflation is the most lagging indicator. Disinflationary conditions are building dramatically. Inflation will be lower, but it could be June, July before we get confirmation that inflation is really going to head towards the target level. And then we have to continue to destroy liquidity so that when they do reverse, we don't have inflationary pressures reaccelerate. So if you're bullish for a Fed pivot, what you're basically saying is, I'm bullish because the Fed's going to pivot when unemployment rises and when inflation falls. And Look, rising unemployment is not good for an economy. It's not good for top-line growth. It's not good for multiples. And if you're saying you want inflation to fall, that means you're saying, I want revenue growth to decline and earnings power to decline and for me to have margin problems. So I I just think investors have this, they're still kind of driving through the rearview mirror saying, oh, as soon as the Fed pivots, they're going to reverse cut rates and they're going to provide incremental liquidity, and that's bullish for overall uh, uh, risk assets. And what I'm saying is, look, the Fed's only going to pivot once we have much looser employment conditions, which means layoffs, and we're starting to get them, or we're going to have lower inflation, which we're which we're getting, which means lower top line growth, lower earnings expectations, lower margins as we kind of uh, uh, de deleverage with fixed costs. So they need to be very careful what they're asking for, or they're saying they're going to pivot because something broke, meaning liquidity contracted to a level to where the markets aren't functioning. And so all risk assets are lower. So you really need to be very careful about asking for a, a Fed pivot. So I, this is going to take a lot of time. Um, I don't think we're near the the bottom from an earnings and growth expectations. I don't think we're near a bottom from understanding the true earnings power. Uh, you know, you if you look at industries, you're going to see that the period from 2020 through the first half of 2021 was one of exceptional pricing power, exceptional top line growth, and really unsustainable income and spending trends. And if you want to go back and just be overly simplistic, clip out 2020 through the end of 2022 and go, let's just go, say we're going back to 2019. Since 2019, we have more leverage, higher inflation, and now we're going to have less incremental liquidity. So should the market be higher than it was at the end of 2019 or lower? Um, And I think, you know, when you just run through the simple math, you can start to answer that question. Uh, maybe one more on, on inflation. So, you know, as we're describing, we're getting close to, to peak inflation here. Um, yep. And for years, the, you know, the Fed's targeted, you know, roughly a 2% inflation number. Um, do you think it's it's reasonable now that, you know, despite the tightening effort for investors to think about inflation at a higher sustained level above the 2%? I think it's highly likely. But, I, but that assumption is I don't think the Fed can stay at these rates for as long as they and the markets are saying they can, because I think we're going to have a pretty serious... Um, issue with federal deficits. Um, and evidence of that is they just, the, the, the U.S. Treasury just revised its borrowing estimate for the fourth quarter, increasing it by $150 billion. 
So I don't think the liquidity is going to allow us to keep rates at this level. I don't think the rapid decline in tax receipts and expanding deficits are going to allow us because I think it's going to be very evident that we're kind of entering this unsustainable level as far as interest expense as a percentage of federal tax receipts and overall uh, federal budget. And as such, we may have to implement yield curve control, which I think implies higher inflation. And I think that's just structurally where we're headed. Um, It doesn't have to be the case. The Fed can stay tough. We can break stuff. They can let pain drive rates and move into deflationary and disinflationary conditions. And so we won't experience as high an inflation over the intermediate term period. But structurally, when I look at the combination of the energy cycle and structural changes in supply chains, and when I look at the when the developed world very much looks like an emerging market now, not just in the U.S., but across the globe, all those things indicate to me fiscal and monetary policy along with economic fundamentals would drive higher inflationary outcomes. All right, good. Well, that's it for today. So thank you very much, Chris, and we'll catch you soon. Sounds good, Dan. The views, information, and or opinions expressed during this podcast are solely those of the individuals involved and do not necessarily represent those of Von Nelson and its employees. Von Nelson does not verify and assumes no responsibility for the accuracy of any of the information contained in the podcast. The primary purpose of the information, opinions, and thoughts presented in this podcast is to educate and inform. This podcast, or any podcast in the series, does not constitute professional investment advice or services, and any reliance on the information provided is done at your own risk. Past performance is not an indication of future performance. By accessing this podcast, you acknowledge that the entire contents of this podcast are the property of Von Nelson or used by Von Nelson with permission and are protected under U.S. copyright and trademark laws. Securities discussed within this podcast may be held in the Von Nelson Strategies.